Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. We begin our adventure today with uh, Master Kazan's Zazen Yojinki. Uh, and we'll be spending uh, coming a few months with this. We take it uh, no rush, no, uh, no hurry at all. I think you all know uh, Master Kazan because uh, we recite his name at every Zazen Kai. Uh, during our dedication, you'll hear right after we dedicate the merits of this practice to, uh, we dedicate to Master Dogen, of course, but then to Shoji Keizan, Honored One. That's him. He's considered uh, one of the two founders of Soto Zen in Japan, having uh, with uh, sharing that with Master Dogen, which is kind of uh, interesting, and uh, I always uh, like to remind folks of the reason why. Master Dogen, of course, brought these teachings from China to Japan, and Master Kazan wasn't even alive until uh, many years after Master Dogen had already passed from this world. So how could he be the founder, the co-founder with Dogen of our Soto way? As a matter of fact, in uh, Master Nishijima's lineage, Keizan got a little bit of a bad rap. You know, Master, my teacher Nishijima was a big uh, Dogen, Dogen fellow. And uh, we uh, consider Dogen to be the root. And uh, sometimes you'll hear that Keizan kind of, uh, well, shall we say, watered down the soup a little bit. That was my impression for a long time. And I have to tell you that my opinion of uh, Kazan has changed quite a bit. Uh, Kazan did do many things to popularize, uh, to make uh, Soto Zen more approachable. Some of them you could argue with. He said uh, the common people, they really don't want Zazen so much. They want uh, funerals and ceremonies. That's why they go to the temple to get the ceremony to make the rain come so the crops will grow a ceremony to help their sick child, like that. And uh, Kazan believed in giving them uh, what they wanted. But Kazan was also about Zazen, which we're going to see here because, as you'll see, he was as much a Zazen uh, celebrant as Master Dogen. But the reason Kazan, I think, was good for Soto Zen is that we might not be here without Kazan. I, I love Dogen very much, but he was in his temple in the mountains with his few students. He turned down political appointments. He even had an invitation with the Shogun one time, and the Shogun is said to have offered him a temple in the capital, and Dogen refused, went back to his temple in the middle of nowhere. And I think it would have stayed in the middle of nowhere, perhaps if it wasn't for Kazan. Kazan knew how to spread the word a little bit. And uh, that's why 
These days, there are, I think it's something like, I don't know, 150 temples related to Kazan for every temple that comes directly from Dogen's lineage. So you can criticize or thank Kazan for doing that. It depends how you look. But uh, we're certainly here today because he kept this flame burning. But as you're going to see, Kazan celebrated Zazen as much as Dogen. As a matter of fact, what we're going to read today is a really an expansion of Dogen's famous Fukan Zazengi. Uh, Fukan Zazengi were, was Dogen's basic instructions for how to sit Zazen. And uh, Kazan in the Yojinki, which we will read, uh, basically took that basic uh, outline and expanded it. That's what Zen folks do. It's way beyond words and letters, but we add words to what the other guy said. And today I'm going to add more words, you see, to what Kazan said, as Kazan added words to what Dogen said, to explain, to explain this way beyond words and letters. But uh, the Yojinki is celebrated in Japanese Soto Zen Buddhism. I heard my first lecture at Sojiji, which is Kazan's temple. Uh, I used to sit there for many years, and uh, the master, Azuma, who was very kind to me for many years, uh, spent also uh, several weeks talking about the Yojinki. So I'm going to do the same. It's, it's good, good stuff. Now, what does the Yojinki mean? Uh, Yojin means uh, words for caution or things to remember or take to heart. That's all it means. So these are things to take to heart. The kanji for heart, the Chinese character for heart and mind is the same. So some people say things to keep in mind for Zazen, things to keep in heart for Zazen. That's all it is. Now it starts, starts off with a lot of uh, nice Zen cosmic woo-woo. <laughs> you know, it's good. It's good. But I assure you in the coming weeks, uh, Kazan also gets as practical as practical can be basically telling you what kind of socks to wear or during, and, uh, you know, how to, what to do in, in all number of practical situations. But it starts off today, shall we say, with your original face. And that's good. That's good. That's where it all starts. That's the point. The practical is the, uh, the cosmic and the cosmic is the practical, you see. Some folks say, uh, I come to um, Zen though, you know, I don't really, I'm not that interested in that. I just want to find maybe how to relax a little bit, you know. And I like to remind them that, you know, that's fine. You know, doing a little meditation, this mindfulness meditation that's so popular, that's really good. You know, you had a busy day, you want to come and relax. But you know what the ultimate relaxation is? When Master... Kazan's talking about today. Why? Get a pencil. It's, it's mathematical. You can relax in this world of divided things in which you get up in the morning, you got places to go, people to see, you got troubles, you got the other people, some of them drive you crazy. Uh, Kaitan's got his knee today. Uh, Doshin's off to one thing, the lizard's sick. Doshin's a big lizard guy. He collects. So you still got the lizards, Doshin? You bring some with you? You got two of them? Okay. I hope they're well. Let's dedicate today to our lizard friends. 
Uh, Oncho's got his uh, messy windows. You know, it's a world of uh, things and troubles. Ross has got his students that uh, I'm sure uh, sometimes uh, drive him up the, up the tree. We live in a world of divided things. And sure, you can come to relaxation here and just relax a bit. But the ultimate is to realize the reality beyond all the crazy things. That is, the, the ultimate is to realize if you really, really want to relax, the world beyond time, the world beyond separation, the world beyond the other people uh, to uh, sometimes uh, conflict with you, the world beyond war, the world beyond death. Boy, that's the big wholeness, the flowing that is the ultimate peace, the ultimate relaxation. That's what Master Kazan is going to be talking about today. Nothing wrong with a little peace in this world, but this is the big piece of one piece, you might say. Or uh, we're actually seeing the, you can't even say one, it's so whole, like that. Uh, a couple of cautions about that, though. Uh, I'm going to read the first sentence here and then give you a, another long little talk. And to make the rest of this, the rest of this is going to go much fast once I get this little part out to explain what we're going to be seeing today. But let's start with the uh, first sentence. Zazen means to clarify the mind ground and dwell comfortably in your actual nature. This is called the display of the original face and manifesting the original ground. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. The, that wholeness, the flowing beyond all division, beyond all time, the ultimate peaceful like that. Now, uh, we're going to go, go into the rest of this, and, but I got to say this to make it clear what we're going to read. There's a lot of misunderstandings about that, I think. Or at least uh, us Soto folks have our own special take on it, which I think is very wise. You see, all Eastern religions, in a sense, maybe even Western mysticism, they all are kind of about this original face, this wholeness, uh, that who we cannot say in words, something like that. Some may call it God in some religions, that's fine. But uh, if you put a limit, a, a name on it, and you put an image that you try to hold in the stupid box between your ears, you're already limiting this, you see. That's going to be Master Dogen's point. If you try to make it, stuff it into an idea that you keep here between the ears, you know, you're making it small. This really is something vast, boundless. But the point is, in many religions, Eastern religions, even some Buddhism, the point is to realize that, get there, and stay there. We're not about that. I mean, we want to realize it. It's vital to realize it. But if you stay there, in a sense, you can't live in this world. Because this is the world of division and time. You know, that other place is without division in time. You can't even put your pants on because there are no pants in the morning, you know, like that. So sometimes I read, I was reading, uh, what's that, Eckhart Tolle, and I came across, I was looking for the expression he said, and it said something like, we have to get beyond all the lies of this world to get to the truth. That's a very common 
Eastern belief. This world of division and time and chaos and war and peace and sickness and health is a lie. It's a, it's a delusion. And we must get to the reality, which is only this wholeness. The Soto's and the Master Dogen's perspective, and Kazan's too, a little more subtle than that. And it's something like this. When you realize, you have to realize this wholeness, but once you do, you realize this divided world was this all along in other guys. And while it's still a mess, don't get me wrong, and you still have sick lizards and students who drive you crazy and dirty windows and war and all that other stuff. It's not the same because you realize it's also this other like that. And I think that's a much more practical way to find peace in this world of chaos, not to try to escape it to this world of the other, but to realize the world of the other, this, this is not the world of the other. It's right here all along when you realize it, even though this world is still crazy like that. Got my point? So um, let's uh, go into how uh, Master Kazan expresses this. So uh, Zazen means to clarify the mind ground and dwell comfortably in your actual nature, called by many things like your original face before your mother and father were even born, right? This is called the display of the original face, manifesting the original ground, the ground from which all of this springs or is in other guise. In Zazen, both body and mind drop off. Now, Master Dogen said the same expression. Our way of Zazen is for body and mind to drop off. That means that the separation of you think there's your body and your mind that's separate from the rest of the world drops away. I often add, add an asterisk in this practice even if you don't have a big dropping away, you know, they call it like Kensho. You can experience that where you get a big dropping away. We still experience through Zazen what I call a softening of the borders. The hard borders between self and other somehow become permeable. And you see the outside is just the inside flowing out and the out inside is the outside in like that. So you can have a big dropping. It's real. You know, and not only from Zazen, you can have it, uh, scientists have shown if you put electrodes in certain parts of the brain, you can actually stimulate that. And uh, frankly, some drug experiences may do that too. Um, it's kind of a dead end for us. You know, beautiful, like I said, beautiful place to visit, can't live there. But yes, you can have a real dropping away where you realize, oh, my, I'm inside this body and the world is out there. Uh, no, it's one thing like that. Okay, but anyway, your body and mind drop off and you will be beyond such forms as sitting or lying down. Also, Master Dogen said this and a very strange expre expression to begin an instruction for Zazen, which is how to sit. Wait a second, you're going to spend the next many months telling us how to sit? And the first thing you say is it's beyond sitting or lying down. What does that possibly mean? Again, like many things in Zen, you look at it both ways. We sit 
to realize it's not just about sitting. It's about everything. All the traditional postures, when they say sitting and lying down, they mean standing, walking, flying through the air. Whatever you do, it's that. It's everything. It's not limited to this, which is not that. It's not limited to me, which is not you. It's not limited to up, that is not down. It's not limited to yesterday, which is not today, which is not tomorrow. And yet we sit very still in Zazen right now to realize this, that it's everything like that. So of course we sit Zazen to realize that it's really beyond sitting or standing or lying down. As a matter of fact, it's always whatever you're doing during your day, driving a car, it's driving a car. Making lunch, this original face is making lunch. With your hands in your kitchen, asterisk, you in the kitchen and the whole universe are not as separate as you think you are. You're the kitchen come to life making lunch. The kitchen is you also come to life. And the whole world is like this. So it's beyond these opposite forms. It's free from considerations of good and bad. We drop our human preferences and judgments. What I like, what I don't like. This is a good thing. This is a bad thing. This is the good candidate. That's the bad candidate. This is the good side in this war. That's the bad side. Again, I have to put a couple of asterisks. That doesn't mean that this thing we're realizing is kind of neutral and meaningless because it's beyond good or bad. Is it amoral? No. What we discover is it's kind of a big good. When you get beyond all the broken pieces of this world, it's a big piece, a big good. It's down here that our personal likes and dislikes and you're my friend and you're my enemy and this is what is, pleases me and this is what displeases me kind of hides that from us. Second asterisk, we still need likes and dislikes in this world to live. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't make toast for breakfast. I'd, I'd, I'd eat, uh, I don't know, the table, whatever it is. You have to have your likes and dislikes. Onsho would be out of a job if somebody said, oh, uh, I'm dirty windows, clean windows, all the same to me, right? You have to make... You have to make judgments. Kaitan has a knee right now, and part of him inside should go, oh, yes, uh, hurting knee is just hurting knee. Yes, that's right. That's right. But on the other hand, he's got to go to the doctor, get his knee fixed. Like that. We live both sides of this no-sided coin. That's what I'm trying to get to you. You don't have to be at a place beyond all likes and dislikes only. You can't live there. Neither should you be lost in a world of, it's just what I want and I demand and I like and it displeases me. You, that is ignorance too. You have to be in both at once, you see, like that. Anyway, free from considerations of good and bad, Zazen transcends distinctions between ordinary people and sages. It goes beyond judgments of deluded or enlightened. Zazen includes no boundary even between sentient, ignorant beings like us and Buddha. And again, you might say, what? 
You mean uh, there is no enlightenment? I can just stay here as deluded, uh, being an ignorant, uh, sentient being, violent, whatever I am. Uh, uh, that's the same as being Buddha? Yes, but no. There it is again. This wholeness is so whole. We even drop judgments of this is enlightenment. This is delusion. This is a sage. This is a Buddha. This is an ignorant fool. We even drop that. That's how whole it is. And guess what? Come closer. When you realize that, you're an enlightened sage and perhaps Buddha. And Master Dogen would add, but we don't stop there. Buddhas go beyond Buddhas, Dogen used to say. What does that mean? Coming back to this world of all its troubles, endless delusion, that's where the rubber really meets the road of our practice. That's where Buddhas really need to be Buddha every day. You don't just realize the state beyond all things again. You come back to this world filled with delusion. You somehow apply the gentleness, the wisdom of a Buddha down here in the mess. And that's where you're really a Buddha, a Buddha in action, not a Buddha lost in the, the wholeness and the clouds, you see. Some people think when you realize this enlightenment, you're done, you're out of here. Everything, suddenly this world is no problem anymore. You're just an enlightened being. You're now Buddha. Everything is peace and enlightenment. You have no troubles anymore. Come closer. That's Buddha bullshit. Copyright that, Bjorn. That's Buddha bull. Buddhas then come back to this world and apply the great peace down here in the mess. Apply the deathless down here in the world of birth and death, you see. So Buddhas see enlightenment in ignorance after ignorance, as Dogen would say. Therefore, put aside during Zazen, put aside all affairs, let go of all associations and attachments. When we're sitting, you put a, down your thoughts of tomorrow, your worries. You put down the resentment or the the sadness about what happened yesterday, you put down your responsibilities for a time and you feel free. There's nothing to do. Nothing needs be done. Zazen is a wholeness so whole, nothing lacking, that nothing needs to be done. That's the next phrase. So do nothing at all. I don't like that so much. I like the phrase, I would express it better as experience that nothing needs to be done except the world is already this, whatever it is, whole. Your sitting is whole and complete. Nothing needs to be done. The six senses need to produce nothing. What you see, what you hear, nothing's lacking, you see. Don't fabricate anything with the six senses. We don't sit there wallowing in thoughts and judgments. We just sit in the wholeness and completion of it all. This is our experience of Zazen. Then we kind of come back again. This is where the rubber meets the road of Buddhahood. We come back to this world where we have to do stuff. 
We have places to go and people to see. We have to have associations. We have to have some attachments. Uh, I fed the cat this morning because I love the cat like that. You know, you have, this is how we have to get through life. We have to have affairs to deal with. And we realize it's all one great thing, you see. So what is this uh, I'm talking about? Is it, uh, should we call it Buddha? Should we call it the, the emptiness? Shall we call it Buddha nature or the one or what do we call it? And uh, this is where the Zen fellow says, don't try to stuff it in a box and put a label on it. Because when you're talking about the wholeness, don't make it small. Asterisk, it is the smallest thing and the biggest thing, which Master Kazan's going to say. It's, it's literally the smallest atom, the smallest grain of sand, all the stars in the sky. But it's beyond big or small too. It's everything, everything. So what is this? Its name is unknown. It cannot be called just body. It cannot be called just mind. Trying to think of it, the thought vanishes. Trying to speak of it, words die. It is like a fool, an idiot, but also like a sage. I think that means that, uh, you know, a fool doesn't get all up in his own head trying to explain things and just experiences. I, I once went to a baseball game with a friend of mine who, well, I wouldn't say he was, a, he was this kind of a simple guy, but he loved baseball. Actually, he was a, I, I, I think he had a, a little disability and, and he was a simple fellow, we would say, but he loved baseball. So if you went to the baseball game and you said, try to talk to him, what do you think of the pitcher? What do you think of, you know, this, or what's the, what's that batting average? I don't think he had a, a slight, any idea of it. I don't even think if he, he really maybe knew the rules of the game, except, you know, that he had his team and he loved baseball. Couldn't explain the first thing to you about it. Barely could speak the guy, um, but to love baseball just to watch. Like that. We can be like that about the universe. Our, 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 our simplicity is actually sage-like. Now, it is as high as a mountain or as deep as the ocean. This, it's everything. But notice, it's a mountain without a peak. Ocean without depth. Don't try to limit it. The ocean has a bottom. The mountain has a top, right? The one, I'm looking at Scuba Mountain over here. There's a top to it. It ends. This is a mountain that has no top. The ocean with no bottom. That's how vast this is. Boundless, boundless. Its brilliance is unthinkable. It shows itself silently. Between sky and earth, between heaven and earth, everything, only this whole body is seen. Look around. Look at the doorknob over there, the curtain. Look at your cat. Look at uh, one of your lizards there, Doshin. You're seeing it. You are seeing it. Look at the beard in your, the hair in your beard, my friend. It's right there. My cup of tea. Nothing escapes. This one is without comparison. It's even beyond life and death. He has completely died. When the Zen master says something like that, that usually means that's why he's truly alive, because he realizes something that's beyond life and death. 
eyes clear, he stands nowhere because there's no one particular place and thus everywhere, every place. Here, there, in Chris's house, on Daimon, on top of Daimon's head, everywhere. Except with Shujin. Shujin, not you. You're, you're, I'm, sorry, I'm just kidding. Even with Shujin. It's all there. Where is there any dust? Looking around here, I could have done a better job dusting today. Tommy, I got up a little late today. Please excuse me. I usually dust before we have our Zazenkai, and I was a little late today, and it's a little dusty, but it's in every grain of dust. The dust usually means the delusion in this world that clouds our eyes too, right? The dust, the, the hate, the ignorance, the violence. This is the dust of the world. It's hard to see. And we must avoid the violence and the greed and the anger and the war. We must, but it's that too. Even as we try to stop it, even as we try to fix the problems of this world, it's that also. Nothing is left out. It's Kaitan's aching knee, even as Kaitan goes to the doctor. Like that. Where is there any dust? What can obstruct such a one? Clear water has no back or front. Space has no inside or outside. We usually think of everything as back and front, has a back and a front. My, my hand has a back and a front. Uh, there's up and down, inside and outside, because it's a world of division and dimensions and geometry. I'm here, you're over there. This has no back or front, no inside or outside, asterisk. It's also every back and front, every up and down, every inside and outside. Completely clear, its own luminosity shines before form and emptiness were fabricated. Oh, wait a second, what does that mean? I thought we're talking about emptiness. And this world of division is the form. Yes, we are. But note again, these are words, labels. Even you put that down, it's the emptiness without the word emptiness to stick on it and make it small. It's also the emptiness, as the Heart Sutra we've recited says, Form is no other than emptiness. Emptiness is no other than form, precisely. The form is the emptiness, the emptiness is form, and it's also that when you drop those words completely, like that. Objects of mind and mind itself have no place to exist. Now he's going to, by the way, tell you why some people say it's the mind, but he wants to remind you that even that's a label, a word to put on this. This has always already been, this has already, always already been so, but it is still without a name. The third patriarch, Sang San, great teacher, temporarily called it mind, and venerable Nargajuna once called it body. Enlightened essence and form, giving rise to the bodies of all the Buddhas. It has no more or less about it. I like uh, this other translation I found, I think by uh, Matsu, uh, forget which one it was, Cleary maybe, has neither lack nor excess. 
you off, I often say that this world, we live in a world of lack, things we have to fill, mouths we have to feed, hunger, uh, money we have to put in our bank account. We live in a world of lack. We also live in a world of excess, too much smoke in, in, in the air, uh, too much violence in the, on the TV. But this wholeness is so whole, it is beyond all lack and excess, asterisk, as it is also this world of lack and excess. This is symbolized by the full moon, but it is this mind which is enlightenment itself. The full moon is the traditional symbol for this wholeness, this illumination, this light. Remember that Master Dogen said in the Genjo Koan too, that the moon shines in every dewdrop on every blade of grass. In other words, that wholeness is fully contained in everything of this world. It's our Elvis Presley tribute moment. Elvis lives. All right. Um, this is symbolized by the full moon, but it is this mind which is enlightenment itself. Chris, uh, Elvis had a few songs about uh, moon. Uh, uh, yes. I mean, I'll post those later. Anyway. Getting off track. The luminosity of this mind shines throughout the past and brightens as the present. It's truly timeless. Nargajuna uses this subtle symbol for the samadhi of all the Buddhas, but this mind is signless. It's not a, a thing with borders. It's not a thing with a, just appearance, though it is all appearances, all appearances. It's non-dual. The differences between forms are only apparent. They only seem to be so. Just mind, just body. Difference and sameness miss the point. He said, it's not the mind. It is not the body. But now he's coming back again. Yes, it is the mind. It is the body. It is all the difference in this world. Body arises in mind, and when the body arises, they appear to be distinguished. Then he says, only mind, only body. This is an alternate translation. Only mind, only body. Their difference and sameness are not the issue. Mind changes into body, and when the body appears, they are distinguished. I think what he's getting at is sometimes Zen masters make the point is that our mind, the small mind here between our ears, is this mind that cuts things up uh, into little pieces. Uh, there's a fellow, I think he's a physicist or a neuroscientist named Hoffman, who says that our view of this world is kind of uh, as false as the seeing like the icon on your computer desktop that actually is a summary for your brain to handle of all the complex electronic processing that is going on in all the chips in the computer. You can't handle all that's going on in your, in your computer right now. So it's summarized by an icon on your desktop that when you click it, something happens. Well, our whole view of the world is like this. Well, the stupid box between our ears, has kind of created this world largely between the years in a way we can understand it. 
we can't deal with all the complexity that's going on there. My friend Doshin here is a biologist. We have other scientists here. If you actually knew what's going on in every atom and every cell of the tree outside and the, the biology of that bird that just flew past and the, the sky above every breeze, if you knew the, all the complexity of it, you couldn't handle it. Your brain couldn't process it. We'd be overwhelmed with data. So our brain kind of summarizes it. Oh, it's a bird. It's a tree. Don't need to know what's going on in every leaf with its with its uh, processes of bios uh, of uh, photosynthesis right now. The the main brain makes it simple. Well, his point here is first off, as soon as the the mind, our mind, kind of gets stuffed into our body and starts dividing the world, that's when the the troubles begin, and also. The Buddhist view of mind is something vaster, something vaster. It might be a kind of co cosmic consciousness, some people say, and we just experience a, a little drop of that. Yes, it could be. It's easy to understand that our mind is actually the whole thing. For example, I'm seeing the tree outside, and I'm seeing Onsho over there, and I think Onsho's not me. He's not. He, uh, my mind is here. Onsho's over there. The tree's over there. My mind is what happens behind my eyes, between my ears. Buddhist view is a little different. Onsho is in my mind. You didn't realize that Onsho. At least my version of Onsho is in my mind. My mind and the tree outside is not just the tree in the garden. It is in my mind. Even Elvis is in my mind. It's all in my mind, you see. The mind is the inside and the outside sweep in beyond all division. Same for you too. Don't worry about it, Oncho. You're not just in my mind because I'm also in yours. You see, I'm also in yours. I, I suppose if you're seeing me now, and it's all this one great thing, which may be a great mind. This is one of the traditional ways that Buddhists would view this. So, where was I? When the body appears, they are distinguished. We start dividing things. When one wave arises. A thousand waves follow. You have your mind is like an ocean. It's all just still. And suddenly your mind starts making the waves of the separate things and judgments and opinions and me and you with put names on it. When one wave arises, they all start arising. And we've suddenly taken the one ocean and it's now a, a twirling, complex, storming sea like that. So when one wave arises, a thousand waves follow. A moment, the moment a single mental fabrication arises, all the numberless things of the universe arrive, arise. We break up the wholeness into all its little pieces, you see, right here in the, in the, in the head. Because we need all the little pieces and the judgments in order to live and survive. But it's hard to, you can't live in the wholeness, but... Don't lose the wholeness. That's the point here. Now, the next uh, things he's talking about are the the old equivalent of saying, like, it's the periodic table. It's all the organs of the body. It's all the, f the senses. It's all the things that we use to divide the world into pieces. So the four elements and five aggregates, that's uh, their, the traditional version of the periodic table, basically. The four limbs and five senses of the body appear and on and on until the 36 body parts. That means the eye and the thing the eye sees, 
what the tongue ta- the tongue and what the tongue tastes like that. Okay, and the twelve fold chain of interdependence. No time to talk about all that. It just means suddenly. Of course you have eyes. Of course you have a tongue. Of course you got a brain. Of course you have a hand. Of course there's. Uh, we have a chemist here, Kaitan. You're not out of a job. There is a periodic table. You can still deal with your atoms and molecules. Don't worry about it. Just remember, there's also the wholeness that sweeps it all in. It's our mind that also gets lost just in the division, just in the separation, just in the world of the senses, just in the world of the parts, not the whole, like that. Once fabrication arises, it develops continuity, but it still only exists through the piling up of the myriad dharmas. Dharmas here means phenomena. Suddenly we got a world of all this stuff and things, complexity. That's the process he's talking about. Because the mind that was just the ocean started making all these waves and we're in a world of complexity. It doesn't mean they're not out there really. It just means that we can get, we create this world only of separation and division and different things and we can get lost there. So he says it directly. The mind is like the ocean waters, the body like the waves. But then again, remember the world of complexity is the wholeness. The wholeness is the world of complexity. There are no waves without water and no water without waves. The wholeness, in my view, maybe, this is my suspicion, needs us and all the separation to actually live. This is my great supposition about maybe what's going on in the universe. I'm way off of the page here. I'm talking my, my personal su- suspicion. The wholeness could not live, experience anything without us, our senses, our stubbing our toe. The kaitan, if the universe wants to have an aching knee, it needs you. You're doing a service. The universe even needs Elvis. Needs the whole thing. So there are no waves without the water, but really there's no water without the waves. Water and waves are not separate. Motion and stillness are not different. So it is said, a person comes and goes, lives and dies as the imperishable body of the four elements and five aggregates. This whole world is not something to escape. This whole world is to realize what it actually is and live wisely and gently in it. That's what we fail to do. Don't be in a hurry to get out of this world. Be in a hurry to realize what it really is, this wholeness that is all this mess. And let's do a good job of cleaning up some of that mess. So uh, Zazen is going right into the ocean of awareness, manifesting the body of all the Buddhas. The natural luminosity of mind suddenly reveals itself, and the original light is where? Everywhere. Everything. Everybody. Every moment. Every situation. Every problem. Every birth. 
every death, every sickness, every cure, every blade of grass, every star in the sky, every molecule, everywhere. There is no increase or de decrease in the ocean. And the waves, though rising and falling, never come and go anywhere that they weren't all along. They've always been the ocean. They never turn back. Okay. Well, that was my messing up. Master Kazon, who just mass messed up Dogen, who was messing up the other fellows he was quoting. So sorry about that. Uh, any questions, complaints, or requests for money, refunds, please? Now's your chance. Thank you for joining us for the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.